Welcome to the Louder Vision podcast for creative people who want to turn their passion into a career. I am your host, filmmaker and artist, Laura Mioli, and on this show, I'm interviewing fellow creative people. Together, we can break the stereotype of the starving and struggling artist by sharing ways to make money without sacrificing happiness. If you like what you hear and want more creative tips and inspiration, you can visit loudavision.com and you can connect with me on social media, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Loudavision. My guest today is Arta Sakai, a creative arts therapist with her own practice where she treats children, teens, and adults in Mamaroneck, New York. It's called Wholehearted Creative Arts Therapy. You can find out more about her practice at wholeheartedarttherapy.com. I'll put that link in the description. Hi, Arta. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So tell me what you do at Wholehearted Creative Arts Therapy. Well, um, I'm an art therapist and um, I I started the practice uh, a while ago. The way we work is pretty much we use art as a way of expressing feelings or conflicts Mm -hmm. Um, so art becomes the language of processing your inner world and it's not about the the end process uh, the end product is more about the process of the art making Mm -hmm. and that's where the healing happens okay so it's not sitting on a couch and talking to a therapist about your problems Right. So it's not that style. So it's very, um, it's very comfortable. Um, the, the client finds their own way of how to process in a way like through art making. And there'll be times when, you know, there would be like talk therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my specialty is in art therapy. So using any types of medium, like anywhere from drawing to uh, painting, clay, um, three-dimensional, any non-traditional uh, mediums. Um, so I usually, I am a client or a client-centered. So mm-hmm. the way we work is I see what the client's interests are um, and what they gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. And uh, they decide to what medium they want to work with. And there will be times where I mostly work as a um, more like an open-ended, non-directive way, but there will be times where we have to reach like certain goals, so okay. there would be different prompts that um, I present, and then the client leads, you know, the session. Okay, and when you say they lead the session, they just do whatever they want? So, so yeah, so the idea is for uh, for them to like, be so involved in the process of the art making that mm-hmm. it doesn't to them doesn't actually seem like therapy but this it's um the way of like getting in touch with what they needs to be worked on through the art making and uh so they decide you know what they're working on um they for example if let's say they're working on clay mm-hmm. it's not necessarily about making a pretty vase or something that's going to please their parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's more about like really them like getting in touch with the texture and the sensory and the, you know, their emotional, whatever emotion they want to express, let's say, like if it's anger or if there's a conflict, inner conflict that they they might not even be aware that they're actually working on that. But clay becomes their way of expressing or getting in touch with those feelings. Mm. So you must have some really interesting art in your office then. 
I do. I try to like keep it um, as as diverse as possible. You know, you'll be very surprised what uh, kids or teens or even adults I gravitate toward like towards like uh, materials that you know you would not even think like anywhere from mm-hmm. tissue paper to fabric to uh, wires to um, collage materials or um, clay or polymer clay or uh, <laughs> yeah. any sort of like even found objects like I use rocks and wood mm-hmm. and um, so the idea is to just have as as many um, options because you know sometimes you might not think that a specific um, material can actually um, get in you know help you get in touch with a particular um, issue that you want to work on mm-hmm. or uh, you might find like you know new ways of like being creative. Um, sometimes I have clients that they think they're not artistic or they don't know how to draw or paint. And I'm like, well, just let, as long as you're open to like the creative process, it doesn't even have to be a painting or a drawing. You know, it can be anything that you can create with your hands. Um, And then that helps with the anxiety as well and make the creative process more uh, fun and um, meaningful. Yeah, and and people thinking that they're not creative. That's something I've come across a lot when I started teaching. Um, I started teaching little kids, and I noticed a lot of them would say, oh, I'm not creative, or I don't don't like writing, I don't like being on camera, I don't like, I'm not a creative person, I don't like drawing, I don't like all this stuff, and they always had an excuse. And it's kind of that first lesson that I always try to have with kids especially is, everyone has creativity and everybody has a unique point of view and how are you going to express it just because you don't maybe you don't like drawing or you're not good at it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it it doesn't mean that you can't just try something else but yeah it's funny when people say they're not creative because I'm just like no you are you are creative yeah Yeah. um every time when I first meet with my clients and their family um I I just I put a lot of emphasis in the like individual styles, like everybody has their own style. So that doesn't mean that just because you're not doing things like, you know, Johnny, that doesn't Mm -hmm. make you like less creative. But the idea is everyone is creative in some form or another. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's say if you, if drawing is not your, you know, your cup of tea, um, just allowing yourself through even through play to be creative mm-hmm. um, and and I think schools um, has changed the way children and teens see creativity and art just because there's so much pressure in the end product yeah and the the, the critics and the you know, grade like the grade <laughs> and then and the teacher becomes like an art critic and I think that takes the joy out of the creativity and and I try to somehow repair that in my sessions and not and just take the pressure of saying like it doesn't matter how it's going to look it doesn't really matter as long as you're enjoying the process in as long as you're enjoying the art making and you're getting messy that's that's the beauty of it and as long as I when I say gets messy I said you can make as much mess as possible in here it's okay (laughs) then they look at me like 
I can make mess here. It's okay. I can make your table dirty. Like it's fine. <laughs> um, so I think it's just like I'm learning what's 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 taught. Um, you know, in terms of how uh, art should be or should look. Yeah. Um, yeah. As long as we break that 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 stigma, I think then that allows the creativity to um, you know that allows the, them to be more creative and and just be more open to like trying new things mm-hmm. um but um yeah it's definitely like especially with adults um that's the first thing that um holds them back you know like oh my god i don't know how to draw i don't know how to you know it's that anxiety that builds up mm-hmm. that you are going to judge my art and i'm like no it's not yeah, about yeah. me it's about your connection and finding your own way into this healing process through art and it can be even like sewing something it can be like making cards writing it could be Mm -hmm. like you know i use different ways of um so the art making is not necessarily just you know painting it could be like using words you know Mm -hmm. writing poetry and there's something very relaxing about you know when you say knitting or sewing it's about like being very focused on like this repetitive type of pattern that I find very relaxing for myself. I agree. Me too. I love knitting. I find it, that's like one of my self care that I do. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, and I just learn myself, you know, I just watch different tutorials and I, uh, my mom taught me like how to knit when I was little Mm -hmm. and very simple. And I find knitting, um, you know, very relaxing and very just, like meditative, mm-hmm. I would say. And there actually, there's a lot of research done uh, that connects like knitting with um, how it helps like parts of our brain um, in terms of reaching that meditative state. Oh. It's, yeah, it's very interesting. And I can, I can see that. Um, and I try to like, sometimes I try to like teach some of uh, my clients when they're interested in knitting, like, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it can be complicated uh, following the steps. Um, so there will be times when I change like from knitting to something more like weaving. Yeah. Because weaving, it's easier. Like you can use like sticks and then weave with the yarn. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know. I wouldn't say that I like knitting because I did learn it as a kid as well from my mom. But what I really enjoyed um was editing because I feel like it's it's that same repetitive, uh-huh. almost tedious type of thing that I kind of equate that to like knitting. If I had the patience for knitting, yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. you know. It's very interesting because with, with knitting, it's like um, I usually do it in, in the, you know, in the before going to bed, like mm-hmm. few, like mm-hmm. an hour before I'm go, going to bed. And not every day, like sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I find that that's the time where I can just kind of unplug and just not, not like my thoughts sort of like calm. Like mm-hmm. I find myself like calming down. My thought process just slows down and it's amazing. And when I get bored with it, I just stop and yeah. <laughs> I move to something else. But um, I usually do like two projects in the same time to kind of, okay, uh, okay. if I'm getting bored with it. Yeah. So what are the signs in someone's everyday life when you would say that it's ready to go seek professional help of a therapist? 
therapy is very personal. It's very, it's, it has to be, there is no like formula into when you need therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, for children, for example, it's like when they're struggling, like there's the, you know, the parents notice them struggling. There's behavior uh, changes. If they're struggling academically, if they're isolating. If they, you know, their behavior is, or their emotions that they express, you know, they're more extreme or mm-hmm. um, you see them isolating more. Um, if they, it depends like what they're, they're struggling with. Um, I would say like it's very, seeking therapy is not necessarily just going to therapy. Okay. The, the person has to be ready to start this journey, you know, because it's taking the step to go therapy, to go to therapy. It's, it's the hardest thing Mm -hmm. because, you know, you really, it's, it's a lot of anxiety that builds up the unknown, what to expect judgment and the the fear of like being judged, Mm -hmm. which is not, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. It's not supposed to happen in therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, I find like therapy being successful, only when the person is ready, is ready to open up and get there to the difficult parts because it has to be the way I work, it's the client and the therapist both have to work together and and create this therapeutic relation that allows the client to open up and feel comfortable in a non-judgmental way, feel safe to express mm-hmm. what they're dealing with and really do the work because the work, it's hard, you know. And if you're going to therapy because your parents want you to go to therapy, it doesn't really help, you know. Yeah. The individual has to want to make a change. And in case of children, um, this becomes more complicated because they're maybe less aware but they notice, like, the, you you know, when I work with kids, they know when things start shifting and they they feel the transformation mm. happening, you know, when we when we do art because they know they start, like, feeling calm or, or less anxious or they're able to talk about being bullied in school or they're able to talk about, you know, the way they feel about their body or mm-hmm. their struggles, you know. So that's where you see, like, the the growth happening, you know, that they they love coming back. Like, just mm-hmm. last week I had one of my my clients, they don't want to leave the session. <laughs> and was, you know, I hadn't had, you know, when it happened, I was like, I kind of stopped and I'm like, okay. You know, I start thinking, I'm like, okay. Do I just be in the moment or do I, why my client doesn't want to leave, you know? And it was very sweet. But in the same time, it it was sort of like a feedback that she yeah. really, that session was really, I guess, profound for her. And mm-hmm. she enjoyed herself and it was, it was really sweet. Um, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, no, it does. So how would you know if you want to go for art therapy versus traditional psychotherapy? Hmm. Uh... It's a personal, it's a personal choice. Um, sometimes, like, if, let's say, um, if you, you are interested in the art, the whole art making process, or if you are interested in art, let's say, in the past, if art has helped you, like, you know, let's say, art journaling, like, mm-hmm. I have lots of teens that 
they they would doodle or do art journaling while in school and they found that that helped them like just kind of cope on yeah. their own um so there would be times where they would be like okay you know i want to give this new um give art therapy a chance because i know i like art and therefore you know art journaling helped me when i was having a hard time or just journaling writing helped me and it's hard sometimes for some people to verbalize, you know, their, their, their issues or struggles. And then they will find like a non-traditional way of therapy. Even though art therapy has been around since, you know, for, for a long time, mm -hmm. um, you'll be surprised that a lot of people don't know what art therapy is or they're not familiar with the field or they, know, they think like that they will have to make art like in, in school. And that's not like that, you know, it's, it's um, so it's the um, first step will be educating them and really presenting what art therapy is mm -hmm. and how it can help them. But sometimes I do both, like I combine psychotherapy and art therapy together because there will be times when they just want to talk about their issue and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and with art therapy, there is a component which we call processing in the end where the client shares about their art. So it's not okay, necessarily okay. my view how I see the, their art. It's about what the art they just made means to them. What is their story? And that's mm -hmm. where the healing happens. You know, they're, they're, um, they're, the way they see or the way they process and uh, the uh, the the picture, and by just saying their version of their story, it's they gain awareness of perhaps like a something that they didn't see before, or yeah. you know, and also the therapist helps um, gain that awareness while you know in the process of uh, processing their art. Yeah, because when we look at a lot of. Um, pieces of art whether they're painting or drawing or even a video mm -hmm. um everyone has their own interpretation so it's really nice to hear the artist's point of view and i think sometimes when i'm forced to explain the reason behind a film or something i realize more about it than than i thought if yeah, that makes any sense the word forced so in therapy <laughs> <laughs> there is no force because, yeah. you know, like, if I put pressure on my client, then you hit resistance. Mm -hmm. And that means that, that when, when you hit that resistance, that then the client is pulling back because it's either too much for them mm -hmm. or they can't handle it or it's just too quick. Yeah. So that's where our training comes in place. So you know when to intervene, how to intervene, and how the questions that we ask are very carefully word it in a way that it's not leading to mm -hmm. a result but it's questioning in a way that helps them kind of explore their art more because there will be times when they just don't want to really talk about it and that's okay mm. you know sometimes it'll just be art making and that's it and and there would be times when we would go back to a specific painting or drawing or um, a piece of art and say oh you know how this connects with that and that connection it will help them make a connection in their personal life mm -hmm. of like how things connect with each other 
Yeah. Well, how did you get into art therapy? Before my art therapy career, I was in a business um, a business career. Mm-hmm. So it was very different. Um, I was I worked in a corporate world uh, for many many years, and um, through and I was not aware of what art therapy is, even though art had been part of my life since I was a little kid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had used like journaling and art and drawing all my life and um, and I was raised by uh, my parents were very creative so uh, but anyway I was in the business field and I was not you know satisfied and mm-hmm. uh, um, it was just pretty much was miserable with the whole mentality of corporate, um, but uh, what happened was, um, not to get too personal, <laughs> I, uh, I had a loss in a family, uh, a very close, you know, member of my family passed away, and I was, I was faced with, uh, with grief, and mm-hmm. uh, this significant loss um, kind of gave me a chance to get in touch with my art. And it happened by, um, I remember when I first did my first painting, mm-hmm. um, and it was, um, I used charcoal. And I remember, you know, just doing that first painting, and I was like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. this is exactly what I wanted to express. And there were no words. Mm-hmm. It was just, um, I remember just like yesterday, it was a window that I had uh, drawn and it was made out of charcoal Mm -hmm. and I added some paint to it. And at that moment, I was like, what is this? (laughs) Like a painting can be so powerful. Um, And I really like at that moment, I was like, I have to do more of this because it's very hard to explain when you feel something transforming internally through art because you feel it in your body that it's happening yeah and you feel your mind sort of like gaining some clarity and space and it just you just feel it there is no way of explaining so anyway um i started like making lots of uh paintings um and i found like for i did this for a couple of years Mm -hmm. um and it was like I was producing so many paintings. Um, and I started going to an art school at that time. And this is before knowing art therapy. Mm-hmm. So I went to this art. It was an art students league in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so where you go, it's like an open studio style. And that became my studio. And I would... Okay. Yeah, and I would do that, and I created, and then I found, I was like, my God, art has a healing power. And then I started doing research. I did lots of research in terms of, like, how art heals, and and there is a connection between, you know, the the, the power of, of, of healing and art making, and then I discovered art therapy, and then I decided, I'm like, this is it. This is my calling. And I said, you know, I saw, I felt it in myself, like how art helped me heal. And I'm like, I want to help other people do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I always had interest of like helping people. Like I always, even as a little child, um, I wanted to help people. 
Um, and so it just made sense. And that's it. And I, you know, I quit my car- corporate job. Um, and I decided I was going to put all my efforts into becoming an art therapist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took lots of um, prerequisites and classes in psychology and classes, you know, in art and mm-hmm. um, started my training. I trained at the College of New Rochelle. Mm. And it's an amazing training. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, and it really gives me hands-on um, preparation for um, becoming an art therapist. And and here I am. You know, it's like I never look back. Um, and surprisingly <laughs> enough, like all those skills that I have from, you know, from my business school, I am using them now. Because, you know, running a uh, private practice, it mm-hmm. requires a lot of um, decision-making and business knowledge and you have to know how to, you know, work um, and manage your your private practice. So we're all good. Yeah, that sounds like everything just worked out. (laughs) Everything, you know, lends itself to what you're doing now. I, you know, it's it's a process. Um, It's not that... um, I wish like things can kind of just settle and just be like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I find my life like as um, there is there, there's like moving pieces mm-hmm. all the time. And I like that. I like the challenge. Um, running a private practice is challenging. And, you know, I'm growing as an individual and I'm growing as a therapist and I'm, I'm growing as a, as, you know, as a business owner as well, mm-hmm. because there's so, it's like, there's opportunities to learn and there's new things you can always learn and, and apply to, uh, to the work that I do. So there's always like, you know, what is out there? Like, how can I incorporate this? So I'm always mm-hmm. like in the search of like new ideas and uh, things that I can do to improve myself and improve mm-hmm. my business. That transition between going from, you know, corporate environment to a whole new career in art therapy, that's something that a lot of people feel a lot of guilt around sometimes. Um, maybe not specifically from that to that, but like when people are transitioning careers, yeah. it feels like guilty, like, oh, <laughs> I just wasted my time doing this and now I'm doing something different. Do you have any advice for people who are transitioning their career or changing their, you know, changing course? Yeah, you know, I, I, I used to think the same. Like, I used to think, like, oh my god, I spent so many years like studying business and economics and management, and I'm like, all oh, that time is wasted. Mm-hmm. And why could I have done this like when I was 25 years old or earlier? Uh, but the truth is, all whatever you learn in life, I feel has a purpose. You will use it at some point, you know. And all those skills that you learn. Somehow they will come to your um, to your advantage. So I used to kind of separate the work, my business world, with my artistic and creative world. Mm-hmm. Like it's just two parts of the brain. But the truth is, like if you learn how to integrate these two worlds together, you will be a better person. And as far as like um, advice, you know, it's 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 very personal. Like. As long as you go after to what your passion is, what you really mm-hmm. believe in, like I always go back to that. Every time when things get difficult or I'm having a, you know, because running a business, it's like a wave. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. Sometimes you be high and sometimes it's low and sometimes it's just like you you have to go with that. And I always go, I feel grounded when I know that that is my, my calling and that is my purpose and why am I doing what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. So I always go to what I'm passionate about. Why am I doing this work in the world? Mm-hmm. And that just helps me like feel grounded and feel like, okay, all this work, this hard work that I'm doing, there is a reason for it. Like I'm doing this because I love what I do. I'm passionate about helping mm-hmm. people. I'm passionate about my work. And, you know, finances come to place. And sometimes they hold us back from like going for our dream. And and we find like different reasons. Like I can't do this because of that. Or, mm-hmm. um, Excuses. And, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes there are real reasons, you know, because it's challenging to switch careers, mm-hmm. especially when you are have been successful, you know, to one career, but you're not happy with that. Mm-hmm. No, it's like, it's really about what drives you. Like mm-hmm. what is inside of you that makes you like you want to get up your bed and really make a difference and really like do it. And it's, you're not going to get tired of it. And and not to say that it's not challenging, you know, it is challenging, but once you find like what really, what you really like passionate about it and you really so in touch with it that, that then everything else sort of like finds their way. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is an advice, but um, yeah, I, I just say like, just do some soul searching of really mm-hmm. what drives you, like what makes you happy, what um, what helps you like just get up in the morning, Yeah, you know, and feel motivated. Because yeah. it's hard, you know, there's a lot of like advice people out there and a lot of these self-help books and things like that. And they're all like, they all kind of start with, you know, think about your goals. What are your life goals? And that can be very overwhelming sometimes. I agree. And I, to think about what am I going to do for the next, you know, rest of my life, all these things. And, and when the truth is, like, what we want to do ch- varies day to day. Yeah. And, you know, see yourself more like a fluid, like, mm-hmm. and you're going to change, you know, or or we change. And we what we want right now might not be what we want in a few years from now. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. And that's okay. Like giving yourself permission to fail, mm-hmm. you know, even if things don't work well. But the fact that you're trying and you're going after something that you really want so badly, mm-hmm. um, that just just giving yourself that permission, it, it will release all that pressure, you know. And you will find a way that to make it work. And if it doesn't work, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay because you know I think the failure when we keep failure in our mind, you know, and I went through this myself. Like mm-hmm. going into private practice, it was really between being having a full time job or having a full time private practice, yeah. and I yeah. always wanted to have my practice. The reason is it gives me so much freedom, mm-hmm. you know, to do what I want, and I can I can mold and tailor things the way I want and it gives me just that freedom of not being constrained into one approach or one style or all the bureaucracy that it's out there and so this I can just get rid of all that and just refocus on the individual that I'm working with Um, and really just find your priority what why do you want to do what you want to do 
Yeah. You know, and if money was not an issue, let's like I always used to say this. Um, if money is not an issue, you know, what what else is holding you back? Like, mm-hmm. why? Why do you love what you love? You know, or or whatever your your passion is about. Yeah. And it's hard sometimes to put like pinpoint that. But I yeah. think what I've noticed is um, what is it that you're excited about doing yeah. that you can't wait to finish or you can't wait to do? And I know with myself, I, I have a lot of projects going at the same time. And sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like I have to finish one in order to move on to something else. But the truth is, whatever you're most excited with, that's where your energy is going to be the strongest. And that's where you should put your energy towards. Yeah. And that's okay if the other project is waiting. Yeah. You know, you don't have, I feel like we are in this race. There's this (laughs) race of competition. Yeah. And, you know, even for me, like starting private practice, like I had to just remain focused of like what I believe and what do I want, you know, in terms for my practice to be successful and not be distracted by competition. And there's so much pressure in like blogging and content and Facebook and social media. And that's a lot to handle, you know, but really like the way I remain focused, it's really, okay, why am I doing what I'm doing? Like, what is really my main purpose today? Like, and and that sometimes you just can't go through all your to-do list, and that's okay, mm-hmm. you know, because I feel we put so much pressure, and that pressure really takes a toll, you know? It does. And and for me, I know it manifests in, in like, a guilt, especially, you know, once I got out of college, uh-huh. I wrote down all my goals, things that I want to do. I thought that's what you're supposed to do. Five-year goal, lay it out, write it down. And I wrote down something that I have been working towards and it just kind of manifested in the past year or two and I've been trying it out and I'm like, well, maybe this isn't what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And the the first thought that the first feeling that comes up is is guilt is, wow, yeah. I really wanted this for a long time and I did all this work to get here and now I don't want it. But what I'm trying to do is like shift my mindset in a way, you know, where I am now is still ahead of where I was. And so even though I'm not going in that direction, I can still use those skills. It's just like you said, you're using your business background to benefit you and all the things that you accumulate in your life in terms of knowledge and experience, you can use all those things towards whatever it is that you want to do, even if what you want to do changes. Yeah, absolutely. And and just like, I feel it comes also with maturity. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the, the younger you are, there's this pressure of like reaching those main goals. And yeah, sometimes yeah. our families put all that pressure. Like you graduate and then you have to do your master's and you have to get this job. And, yeah, yeah. and you have to, has to be paid well. And, and that's what becomes successful because it's this, you know, the status that you want to maintain. Yeah. And, and sometimes we do it ourselves and sometimes our families like just, you know, put that pressure in you. But I think with as for me, as I'm getting, you know, older and wiser, (laughs) (laughs) not older, wiser, (laughs) um, I feel like just letting go of that pressure and 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 not pretend to be somebody else, you know, and just like, just it's your life. 
you know, and you making these decisions because this is what works for you. And it's okay that maybe we're not pleasing our parents or maybe we're not pleasing our competitors, mm-hmm. you know, by just taking the pressure off that and remaining focused of what it's giving you joy right now. Mm-hmm. What is really like making you work in this project because you're passionate about it. Just go with it. Go with it and see where it takes you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and don't get distracted by the negative comments and the negative around you know in your life and and just really nourish that what's giving you um pleasure and happiness that sounds kind of like art therapy in a way (laughs) i mean like you're just focused on what you're doing yeah yeah and you know and i i have like a lots of projects like happening and like i'm always constantly like thinking of new new ideas and new ways of like incorporating in my in my business and I want to do like a lot of new things but the I'm only one person yeah and sometimes like when I'm getting overwhelmed I just like I stop and I say okay I am a human I'm making mistakes (laughs) and this project didn't work or I would you know or I'll go to my friend like I always you know I have my support uh, friends that I always call and I, I, you know, they, 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 they help me like just gain clarity and, and really like just finding who are your support people, like yeah. people that nourish your, your creativity. They, they know you, who you are and they will help you when things get foggy, mm-hmm. you know, that they help you like gain a different perspective or just kind of shake you up a little bit and, yeah. you know, <laughs> So I always do that, you know, I'm, I'm calling my friend and say, hey, can we chat today? And if they can't, it's fine. But um, it, it really helps me like gain um, clarity and, and, and just remain focused. So obviously talking to your friends is very healing and having that support group is important. Um, but when it comes to using art to heal, what makes something art therapy versus just making art? The difference between just making art for the sake of it, because you want to make art and art, like even if it looks like a simple, mm-hmm. um, simple art making, the, the, the difference is because when you make an art in art therapy, it's more about what, what are you processing with it? Meaning mm-hmm. like, let's say you're making a drawing, of some some bird, let's say. That bird has a significant meaning to you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, you're aware of it and sometimes you're not. But the the process of the art making, it's like really helps you like get in touch with those feelings and expressing perhaps your feelings through that drawing of that bird. Mm-hmm. And that bird can be significant to you me, you know, representing, it could be representing your grief or representing your freedom or representing, it's very personal, you see, it's, it's, or it can just be like letting go of something. So it can, has a meaning that is unique only to you. Mm -hmm. And so making art at home is very different from making art with an art therapist because the art therapist, it's like, it's, it's holding that container for you. It's like a holding place, like a nest, mm-hmm. if you think it that way. So it's that space where you feel safe to go there because you are doing, you're drawing this bird. But in order for you to 
really discover what that means or what that bird means to you. You have to feel safe enough in order to go to that discomfort, to those, mm-hmm. you know, feelings that, you know, my, it at home, let's say, if you would have drawn that bird, you'd be like, okay, I drew this bird. And yes, I enjoyed the art making, but it, that's it. It could be that's, mm-hmm. that's about it. But exploring that with an art therapist, it's you have to feel safe. You have to trust it. And you, it's therapy, it's, um, I probably I'm going to get a lot of uh, uh, comments about this because I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to explain, uh, but it's, it's like a space mm. between two people that is created. And that's where the healing happens. So you add the art making, the relationship between these, the therapist and the client, mm. and the trust that's being created between these two people that helps you open up and really get into what needs to be worked on through the art making. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, probably explaining in a very simple way, but... No, no, it, it makes total sense. <laughs> Do you have any tips for the listeners on how to use art as therapy in our everyday life? Like little things that we can do? Yeah, so you can you can use art in a therapeutic way, mm-hmm. at a, you know, let's say for yourself. Like I always suggest, you know, for, for some of my clients, like when you go home, you can, you know, you can use your journal to express your feelings or let's say if your anxiety is peaking up and you are very anxious about something doodle something about it you know just open your sketchbook and just doodle or write about it if let's say art is not your you know you don't feel like you want to express through a drawing just write something about that that build up Mm -hmm. you know or if let's say if you're going to um you know make art at home um, so it's, there is a difference between just, you know, if you are in therapy or if you're not in therapy. Um, so if let's say you're not in, in therapy, but you just want to make art. Mm-hmm. So there is a healing that happens just by making art, you know, and sometimes you can understand your own art and sometimes we just don't have that awareness and that's okay. Yeah. But just the process of the art making, it's healing on it it's therapeutic but if you want to take it one step further and you really want to explore like what the art your art means to you and how that's expressing your inner world then I suggest that you you know you take the step and you contact an art therapist and take Mm -hmm. that into the art therapy studio because it's very different you know it's very different but I can definitely say like that the, the you can use art um, and, and writing and any kind of form of creative video, let's say, yeah. or any sort of form of, of art making and make it therapeutic for you. Definitely for myself when I'm, I know there are certain times when I've been working on videos where I felt completely relaxed and happy and in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's just about 
stopping and being grateful for where you are. I mean, obviously, there are times when things are very stressful and everybody has those bad days. But I can remember specifically a time we were shooting a music video for Fall of the Albatross. And I just remember when they were playing the music and we were filming it and I was so in the zone and I kind of like stepped out of myself and looked around and I was like, wow, this is amazing. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Like when when you experience that and it sounds so surreal, but it's, um, it's true. Like Mm -hmm. art takes you away from your reality into somewhere else, Mm -hmm. you know, and it, it can be in any form and it's just allowing yourself to be and experience that, you know, and it just like relax and and really enjoy the process of of whatever you're making, you know, whatever form of art you're making. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's about slowing down sometimes. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I I I know when I need to slow down because my body I either get sick or I'm just mm-hmm. like feeling not feeling so good and I'm like, "Oh, I need to slow down." Just like yesterday, mm-hmm. I was like you know, I can feel it. I'm like, I've tried to be in tune with my body as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm not, <laughs> then, you know, you crush and burn. And then, you yeah. know, oh, I need to take some time to just kind of slow down and really just self-care. Take care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of other people. And it's as simple as that, you know. So I try to be aware of my of my needs Mm-hmm. in order for me to be, you know, the best I can be to help others. Of course. But because it takes a toll, you know, it's like helping, being a therapist, it's it's a hard work, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it takes a toll, like, when dealing, you know, because you are in the space with, the, with your client mm-hmm. and you, you know, you, you, you pretty much, you are in that space with their discomfort and you need to take care of yourself in order for you to be empathic enough and do the work that you need to do and, and help the client, you know, to Mm -hmm. have that perspective. But, uh, but yeah, sometimes I I have to go back to my yoga and I have to go, Mm -hmm. you know, I try to do my meditation as much as, and be mindful during the day and, and just kind of pay attention to those, um, like kind of, you know, you, you during the day, just noticing, okay, you know, this came up right now or yeah. this came up and, and just keeping, being aware of that, that helps, you know, mm-hmm. helps to like be more in touch with your, with yourself. Yeah. And not taking that home because you're, you're taking on a lot of people's yeah. emotions and, and moods and how do you like not take that home with you or not internalize it yeah you know that's that's that comes with experience and 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 time and and there will be times when when uh that's why the supervisors come in place and the support Mm -hmm. system come in place because i try not to take it home and and there are times when there is you know you're dealing with a very difficult uh, situation or it affects you and we call it counter transference mm-hmm. in in our terms so it's what it means is like your um it has touched something in you that that's making you to take the story home 
So you're mm. thinking about it because somehow you as a therapist, you either have to work on that particular thing that has that just touched mm-hmm. that needs more work or you having this reaction that you need to look at it. And we all experience that. It doesn't matter how many years you've been in practice, you experience that, but then what do you do with it? You talk to your supervisor, you process it. You have to process it, otherwise it will come back again. Mm. And, or you, you, know, you go to your own therapy, or you talk with your you know, peers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always, you know, I use all these resources in order to be the best I can. Uh, but countertransference happens. You yeah, know? even to non-therapists, it sounds like. Yeah, because it's we all have our own stories. You know, we have our own, we lived our, you know, we have our own stories. We have our own um, things that we've gone through our life. And the, the work that we do, we're helping others. Mm-hmm. It's because, you know, we have gone through difficult time and we know how hard it is to face difficult you know situation or issues so if let's say it touches something in you you need to address it not just like you know repress it because it will come back even just thinking why did this bother me so much or why did I get upset when I saw something like this and trying to even just place what memory you have or what is it that's making you react in this way? I yeah. think it's very helpful. I, I think for me, it helps a lot to like, I draw. Mm-hmm. So every time, like if let's say I have a, a, you know, a session that really like touched something in me, I would do a drawing about it or a doodle mm-hmm. or sketch or write about it. And that helps me like gain a perspective of like, oh, that's, you know, this is why I'm feeling this way. You know? <laughs> This is why um, I reacted certain way, you know. It's so, and sometimes you can have that awareness, and sometimes you would need a supervisor to process it to help you, like get that understanding and just you know process why you you know perhaps like understand why you're feeling that way or why did that it became so personal to you if it's not that you know. Well, I've spoken to another. A friend of mine who is a therapist as well Uh and she said very similar that she is exhausted sometimes just from everybody Uh dumping their you know negativity on her and it's hard to like leave that at the office Mm. um and i i totally get it because you know i have i hate to say but i have certain friends that it feels like every time we talk it's just dump 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 here let me get out my and that's you know i i'm sure i do that with people as well but yeah. you know when it's it's there's a skill to not taking in other people's problems yes it's called yourself. boundaries boundaries, boundaries. <laughs> and boundaries are crucial we mm-hmm. need boundaries mm-hmm. in order for our you know for our for our sanity and and clients need boundaries and mm-hmm. friends need boundaries and family members need boundaries <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's it's it sounds cold but we need boundaries in order to function um, and I think we need to like when your friend is dumping mm-hmm. all of that in you you need to like maybe 
you know, create a boundary for your friend that maybe next time she can ask you how you're doing, you know, instead <laughs> yeah. of just like you hearing, being that sounding board for her all the mm-hmm. time and then carrying on that negativity into your life, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and, and creating that space. Like, let's say for your therapist friend, mm-hmm. you know, if she's having a huge load of clients and you know they're so like sort of back to back or if she's not doing enough self care you know it you can burn out mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. it's a lot to carry you know it's a lot to carry on so you know i've learned to kind of make half space between clients for mm-hmm. your own processing and clarity and also i think for fairness too because you know the new clients that's coming in you don't want to carry all that stuff with you. Yeah. You want yeah. to be as present as possible, as clear-minded as possible for mm-hmm. your ne- next client. And as far as like friends, mm-hmm. you know, it's like if you know that that friend is always going to do that for you, maybe maybe that's not good for you to hang out with them so often. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and giving yourself permission that's okay to say no to that friend yeah, for yeah. this week. You know, you're not mm-hmm. obligated to listen to her problems. If mm-hmm. she needs a therapist, she needs to go to a therapy. But there is a limit how much we can handle, you know, and you need to be the one to set that boundary, mm. you know, and, and let her know that it's not cool that she is throwing all this at you every time that you guys see each other because, yeah. you know, it's, then you become resentful. And then some people just need to be cut off, which I've done. (laughs) It's like, you don't even ask me how I am. Yeah. You don't care. And so goodbye. (laughs) It's true because, you know, you want to be surrounded with people that nourish, you know, Mm -hmm. they nourish relationships and that they, they're worth your time. You know, they're worth your time in terms of like, yes, we all need to hear, you know, be there for our friend, but in the same time, it has to be, you know, both ways. Like you have to have to have that space with that friend mm-hmm. when you have an, you know, dealing with problems that you can pick up your phone and say, hey, you know, now it's my turn. You're going to hear me out. But it has <laughs> to be both ways, you know? Yes. Um, but uh, I think exactly <laughs> it has to be balanced. And if you don't have that balance, maybe it's time for you, for that friend to find a new friend, <laughs> right? Yeah, but I I find that with family members. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes family members they it's just hard to set up boundaries with them, and I've gotten better at it. But um, it's always challenging mm-hmm. because then you know we carry on, we carry on because we don't want to hurt other people's feelings, and then we become resentful yeah. of that person. Because then you just don't want to hang out with them anymore because it just causes you so much pain and discomfort. And yeah. 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 I, so I guess it's realizing that something is not healthy for you and then saying no to it and not feeling bad about that. Yeah. And if it's, if it's a friend that you think it's worth working on this relationship, then you can talk to them. Sometimes it's just hard to be assertive and hard yeah. to just say what you need. Mm-hmm. But if someone is your friend or your family or whatever, then they should respect that you need something and they should want to help you and want to give you that back. Yeah, I agree. Or your therapist. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> well, thank you for chatting with me. Thank you so much for having me. You can find out more about Arta and her practice at wholeheartedarttherapy.com. I'll put that link in the description below. As for me, I'm filmmaker, artist, and your host, Laura Mioli. You can connect with me getting creative tips and inspiration on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Laudavision. And you can listen to more of these podcasts, read my blog, watch my videos, and contact me. Just go to laudavision.com. And if you like what you've heard, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or YouTube. Thanks for listening, but don't go away. Since you like podcasts so much, here's another podcast which you would love. I'll let them tell you about it. Hey, y'all. I'm Courtney Hinton of VerveHouseCollective.com. Verve House Collective is all about creatives, entrepreneurs, and those who want to live an awesome life full of intention. Again, that site is vervehousecollective.com, and we'd love to see you. Good morning, Indubians and future friends. I am T. Sterling Watson from the Indu Podcast, and I invite you to stop by and press play. The Indu Podcast is a little bit of everything, just like myself. Topics include entertainment, nerd culture, pop culture, intellectual chats, spirituality, positivity, music, or magic, if I misread my own handwriting. You can find me on iTunes, Indu.com, and Indu.podbean.com. The podcast and this ad is a 3SFX production.